everybody. Welcome to Chapter Surfing. On this episode, my guest is Dave Grom from the In The Mix podcast, and we're going to be talking about Dracula by Bram Stoker and the 2020 Netflix miniseries of the same name. Uh, Welcome, Dave. Hi, Lenny. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, So tell me your background on Dracula. Do you remember the first version of Dracula that really stuck with you? Uh, it's interesting to you ask because I feel like I really never cared about Dracula that much. Um, I don't think I read the actual book until maybe I was probably 18 or 19. And I remember more or less kind of just disliking it. Um, however, um, before that, you know, I had grown really... Um, kind of infatuated with vampire fiction um kind of like in a general sense um so you know my origins with dracula um yeah they weren't really it wasn't really exactly a um at at least at the time a positive experience just because i just didn't particularly like the book at that time um nowadays i you know after rereading it you know the first time in like i don't know 12 years probably um no i actually came away thinking uh, enjoying it yeah, I'm pretty similar to you. I didn't have a huge, uh, any Dracula experience I was super uh, connected to as a kid or anything. Like, I watched Dracula Dead and Loving It. That's kind of the one movie I really remember from childhood. And I was a huge Buffy fan, so obviously the Buffy versus Dracula right. episode. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't have a huge connection to it Um growing up uh what kind of vampire fiction were you into so for me it definitely all starts with the that first blade movie with leslie snipes oh yeah um my mother uh probably uh wrongly took me to see that in theaters when it came out (laughs) and i think that was like 98 or 99 so i was you know a child um but i absolutely loved it i you know it just felt it it felt very new to me because i mean even as like a child like i understood like vampire mythology and you know, I'd seen like vampires on TV, whatever, but like seeing it like in a modern setting with like a guy just going out and slaying them in such gruesome fashion was, you know, I was all about that. Um, and then beyond that, uh, there was another movie that came out that uh, decade, I think it was that decade as well. John Carpenter's vampires, another movie I should not have watched when I was that age. Um, <laughs> but uh, James Woods plays uh, again like a modern day vampire hunter, but it's a lot more like I don't know. There's a there's a there's a even more uh, dirtier grittiness to it because like the hand the, the vampire hunters are just huge assholes. Like they're <laughs> they're probably just not maybe just as bad as vampires, but like you almost don't want to root for them because like they're just terrible people. Um, and then um, in my teens, I discovered a uh, a tabletop RPG a role-playing game called um, Vampire the Masquerade. Um, And that's really what cemented it for me uh, going forward. I fell in love with the lore they created, um, really just embraced, like, that whole idea of, like... Like, in the game, vampires are very much kind of, like... um, They can be, like, aristocratic, like, sociopaths, or they can be, like, kind of, like, low-level, just, like, street criminals trying to get by, and how that kind of interacts with each other. I really, really dug that. And it has, like, this overly almost i would say borderline cringy kind of like 90s aesthetic <laughs> to it um that gives it a lot of um 
a lot of character that I I still like. Um, so from yeah, from then on, I've I've really you know enjoyed finding other like vampire fiction. There's a, a book series by Charlie Houston who wrote these books called the Joe Pitt Case Books, which is basically just about like it's like a, a neo noir just like vampire guy who solves he's a troubleshooter for other vampire clans in New York. Um, but weirdly enough, like I never you know the whole kind of I guess you know, jumps, jumpstart for vampire fiction, you know, for the modern day, I never, Dracula just never really, you know, clocked for me until I got to this age. Uh, so, uh, how many times, uh, have you read Dracula twice? At this point, it's at, at least two. It might, it might be three. Cause I feel like I tried to read it when I was much younger, like mm. when I was getting like really into vampires. Um, so at least two. Okay. Uh, so that first time when it sounds like you were kind of like disappointed by it, uh, do you remember like sort of what you thought about it specifically? Yeah, I know exactly what it was. I <laughs> I cannot stand um, the epistolatory style. Oh God, yeah. It it like really just like it grates me so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is about letters. I don't think like writing letters isn't a bad thing. Um, but reading a 300 page book where people just literally write letters to each other, just, I don't know. It like drives me wild. Uh, or at least it yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like in Dracula specifically, it's so distracting because they're just like constantly explaining it. Like there's just a lot of being like, by the way, here's like why I'm writing this now. And, uh, and yeah, instead of it being like, I feel like when a book is like one diary or something, it's not as distracting. Yeah, definitely. I, and you know what it is? It's like, you know, especially rereading it now, like the, the, I feel like even like the letter kind of style that the book uses almost feels unnecessary. Cause it's basically just, it's first person accounts. It's, it's, POV for first person and the letter um, kind of like um, style uh, doesn't, I don't think it hurts it at all. I, I actually wound up enjoying it this time around. Um, but it, I guess that's just a good way to rationalize it, right? It's just like, it's, it's literally just uh, different perspectives of first person characters. So it's just, you know, the letter thing is just kind of icing on the cake. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it felt like maybe this book is like so old that there was like some fear that people wouldn't understand it just being like first person narration and they had to do it like this. It's like, so you really notice it. And there's like certain moments that are just like, you may be wondering like why I'm writing this when you know this and I already know this and stuff. Yeah, that, that classic, as you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess the fact that I could, it seems like Stoker was trying to go for like a, you know, this is like a, a, do, a historical document thing. Mm, yeah. So I understand like, I guess the need to do the, the letter thing. Cause that would be, I mean, besides writing like, you know, a fake textbook, I feel like it's probably the next best thing. Um, so I guess in that sense, again, you know, appreciating it from that, that perspective. Yeah. Then I think it actually works uh, better than I, than I thought when I was younger. Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like a, like a War of the Worlds radio broadcast type thing. Yeah. Where the, it feels like you like stumbled upon this. Yeah, that's true. Um, so then uh, when you read it again recently, how long ago was that? Uh, last week. 
Oh, nice. And um, yeah, so uh, were you expecting to like it more this time or was it really a a pleasant surprise? I was was absolutely dreading it because I just remembered (laughs) like the letters and the Victorian writing style and just like, I don't know. It's there's something about books written before, I guess, the 19, maybe 20s where I'm just like, this is exhausting. I can't. I can't believe like this is part of the canon, um, but I, I guess another way I, I get it, you know. And in this stage where, you know, reading it and you know watching the new the BBC show at the same time, I think this makes it a better kind of mix because I at this point I know what to expect again. Um, I'll know the differences and can contrast them, and you know by the end of the book I I I kind of. Maybe not falling in love with Stoker's Dracula, but I I enjoyed reading it. I didn't feel exhausted. I didn't feel bored. Um, you know, it felt it almost felt kind of new to me to actually give it a fair shot. Oh, nice. Yeah, I read it uh, last year. Uh, I didn't read it reread it more recently than that, so I apologize if I get any details <laughs> okay. wrong in this. Um, but uh, yeah, it's funny. I actually started it and I. I bailed early on at first and it was because you know how early on Jonathan is like, let me describe exactly what I ate during my whole whole train ride. And he starts like listing meals. I was like, this is insane. Like I'm not doing this. Um, But fortunately I did decide to give it another try shortly after that. And I was like, okay, right after all the descriptions of meals, it does get really cool. Yeah, there's something about I don't know English writers like the I'm thinking like I can I can't ever finish Lord of the Rings because right Tolkien just has to describe to me for a chapter like how to make Elvish bread and it's like I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you had had you seen the the miniseries? Uh, once before like you you picked it for this so i'm assuming you had seen the miniseries already that's right yeah so when it came out last year um that's when i you know formed a lot of opinions about the uh, adaptation <laughs> and i i think did i suggest it or did you have it on your list because i forgot i had like a list yeah okay. so yeah when i saw dracula on there i think my brain was just like yeah this is this we need to talk about this <laughs> um so when you watched it, your your memory of the book would have been like pretty foggy at that point, right? When you watched it the first time, yeah. Um, so your I'm assuming like your thoughts on it at that point were more about just like it as a show as opposed to a Dracula adaptation. Yeah, pretty much. You know, because I I mean I was excited because you know generally I feel like BBC you know does good adaptations of books and stuff, and as much to my you know maybe slight displeasure to see Stephen Moffat and Mark uh, Gatness, Garness, uh, writing it and, you know, creating it. I, you know, I was like, you know what? I, I like the first two seasons of Sherlock. I, I can, you know, withstand someone talking to me about Doctor Who for five minutes. I think this will be fine. Um, and then, you know, the show happened. <laughs> so I am going to go out on a limb and guess that you did not like it. I, after rewatching it again, um, I'm still 
negative about my I'm, I'm mixed about it but it definitely leans more negative than positive okay uh so what were some of the things uh that you that uh that got in your craw about it <laughs> um where to begin so <laughs> go, going off uh, again rewatching it now and you know having read reread the book again more recently I feel like uh, just like the a lot of the characters just seem <laughs> it's gonna sound so Victorian of me it's like they just seem so unnecessarily rude and mean <laughs> for no reason like I don't get why everyone has to be such of you know just kind of like an asshole all the time um not that that, I mean, it's whatever, but I, that really stuck out to me at first because reading the book, it's like, oh, Dracula is a very, you know, well-spoken, aristocratic man. And then he go like, Jonathan goes to the castle in the show and immediately, like, I don't see how this guy doesn't have 40 red flags going off right now. Like, <laughs> you're just playing, like, dumb for no reason, man. This is, this is ridiculous. That's definitely one thing that bothers me. Um, the Agatha Van Helsing character doesn't do anything for me. Like I'm not saying they they couldn't do like a you know a gender swap of the character, but uh, I hate to say hate to say it, but it just feels like they kind of were trying to like I don't know like do like a kind of girl boss thing with her in the show, mm-hmm. and I don't think it works very well. Um, especially the first two episodes where she is just like a kind of annoying know-it-all and gets a lot of people killed for no reason. Um, those are, those are like kind of my two big things. Um, and the modern episode bothers me to no end. Like (laughs) just the choices they made with like Lucy, uh, making her into like, just like a, I don't know, like a dumb bimbo for no reason. Like Lucy obviously isn't like a, you know, a Yale scholar, Oxford scholar in the book, but like I, she has more character than whatever they try to do with the show. Like I, I understand, you know, Lucy's position in, you know, a Victorian England society and why she is the way she is. I don't get Lucy 2020 or 2019. <laughs> like it's, it just seems okay, it goes back to that unnecessarily kind of mean and rudeness. Like just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah. Those are some of my big ones. Yeah, I definitely see what you mean, especially because something that I found really striking reading the book Dracula is that you realize, like, Bram Stoker really loves nice people, (laughs) which sort of, like, was a shock to me. But, like, so much of it is just, like, all these guys being really supportive of each other and being like, okay, we have to protect these women that we love and we have to just all get along. Even the two guys who are sort of like competing over Lucy, it almost immediately just becomes this thing of like, but we have to all protect our friends. Yeah. They're just like, everyone in it is so nice. Even like Dracula's cordial about it. He's like, I'm going to take over England. And, you know, I apologize (laughs) if I uh, step on a few too many carpets with my boots on. And it's like, okay, man, I mean, do what you want. Um, (laughs) Yeah. In the show, it just feels like, I, I think part of the issue with it is, Obviously, you know, doing a straight-up adaptation of, especially like a book like Dracula, would be boring. There's no reason to just do a beat-by-beat of any story, really. There should be updates to, you know, the the narrative, to the characters. Um, and we should do interesting things with them. 
Um, you know, I don't really see why, like, again, going back to Lucy, why does she need to be like a Instagram obsessed attention, you know, again, this sociopath like Dracula? It's just, that's not really, like, there's so many better ways I feel like they could have done her character. Um, and especially if they wanted to do, like, you know, some cool, like, edgy, modern kind of thing. I mean, you read those letters between her and Mina, they're, it's ripe for, you know, a, ver a sexual tension-like relationship yeah. between these two women. And we don't even get that. They don't even interact because they're in two different time periods in the show. Um, you get very, like, little lip service about, I think, about, like, the sexual tension that's in, like, the Dracula book. Like... Stoker is, I would say, very obviously, like, using innuendo to talk about just, like, people having sex, and mm -hmm. the show almost feels more conservative about it in a weird way, where it's almost too direct about, like, you know, like that first scene in the show, you know, did, <laughs> did you have sexual intercourse with Count Dracula? Uh, I, yeah, I watched it once last year, and then I rewatched it, uh, you know, this week for the recording, and I had totally forgotten that the cold open just, like, ends with, did you have sex with Dracula? Which to me felt like if you're going to be that direct about it, then I feel like the show should really be like about Dracula and Jonathan having some sort of romantic thing and sort of the cold open being like so blatant and then the show being a little bit more like, not that like, obviously it does have gay stuff in it, um, but it still felt more like, um, like, considering how direct that opening is, it was weird how cagey they were about Dracula being, like, bisexual. And it really doesn't go anywhere, right? Because they, they, like, it feels very so put on where they they cut, right? Right from there where he's like, oh, did I? And then there's, like, there's no real implication. I mean, there's, like, that one scene in, like, the bedroom where, like, he dreams of Dracula. I think he actually dreams of him, like, having sex with him. Um... But it just, I don't know, it feels very pointless. And I was, I just had looked up, like, randomly, like, BBC Dracula and Google before, and I totally forgot that the creators had said, I think it was in The Guardian, you know, Dracula is not bisexual. He is bi-homicidal. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> and it's like, oh my, why? <laughs> just let him be bisexual. What's the big deal? He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't have sex with people. He kills them. He doesn't care about their gender. It's like, okay, cool, man. That's... Um, yeah. Uh, and that, like, that's such a cop out because then he does clearly have like a legitimate relationship with Lucy that we actually like see a lot of. So you can see how unfair it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um. Also, just like going back to what you're saying about Lucy's character, I thought, um. Like, I thought she was very frustrating um, because I feel like you can really tell that it's, like, a hot girl written by men. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they do this weird thing of her being like, oh, my beauty is such a, like, inescapable burden. But it's like, you can go out, like, without makeup and, like, wearing a hoodie. Like, why does she always look perfect? And then she's like, oh, it's so impossible to not be beautiful. It's like, no, it, like, takes a lot of time and effort, even if you, like, have a, a you know, good bone structure. Yeah, that whole thing just, I, I get, I, well, I don't get it, but I understand they're trying to do, like, a, you know, oh, millennials, this generation, so concerned with 
social media and likes and being acknowledged. And yeah, I mean, you're not half wrong, but this is so like Saturday morning kind of like PSA stuff like they try to do here. It's like, oh, this beautiful woman who only cares about her looks and nothing else. And and she enjoys, you know, having sex with multiple partners. Oh, my God. Of course, she turns into a monster, uh, which, I yeah, harbors back to the book, I guess. But I mean, the book's like, you know, whatever agree or disagree it's trying to you know do that whole thing where you know women in victorian england should be like this what is the show trying to say about this like is it just the same thing but like in a more posh 2000 sense like i don't get it because they tee it up so much with her being like oh like being beautiful is so terrible when she when we see her at the end and she's been um uh what do you call cremate like sort of cremated she's not like dust but she's like all burned um i was really hoping she would like see herself and then be like hell yeah i'm not beautiful anymore like this is what i wanted like i thought that would be kind of a cool ending yeah like an embracing of like the monster you think you are like yeah that that's horror that tracks that's cool instead it's just like (laughs) instead it's lucy take a selfie (laughs) oh no i love that scene because like uh, I love that she was just, like, so sure that even though, like, mirrors don't don't show her an accurate picture like a selfie would. And then she was right. Like, why does she know that? The the whole thing with the both her characters, Agatha and Zoe, whatever, just knowing things randomly. Characters in general knowing things randomly just feels just like a wasted effort. Wasted opportunity, really. Um, speaking of looking at Dracula... Right. I don't want to keep harping on the modern stuff, but that is like definitely the most interesting episode to me just because of how kind of weird and bad it is. <laughs> um, you know, Dracula comes to the 21st century and within like five minutes, he's saying the word download. He knows how to use a tablet. Mm-hmm. He calls a fridge an icebox, but like he can use Skype. It's just like I, I was expecting when the show was first announced, like, OK, cool, we're going to get. A modern Dracula show where Dracula, you know, wakes up, you know, in 2019 or whatever and, you know, the, you know, classic fish out of water for like the first episode. And then by the end, he's like learned how to, you know, navigate the power structures of society once again, just like he did, you know, before. In this one, it's just like he immediately loses interest in that. He only cares about swiping left or right on Tinder and like he wants to, I don't know just exist and be kind of like just like a boring rich guy i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me that this is the best that can come out of like that idea and yeah it goes nowhere yeah it's really the the sort of plot of this is like super weird um it's uh three 90 minute episodes so i basically i guess just like a movie trilogy um which i didn't actually know going in i didn't know that it was a mini series so when when dracula died at the end i was like oh like i thought they were setting up i thought like the show was gonna be like modern dracula like figuring it out like dating different like hot instagram people and i was like no like that was the whole thing yeah that weird ending of the spiritual ecstasy him and 
Zoya, which is, I don't know. I, I want, like, I think it's cool to do modern interpretations of classic stuff like that to, you know, to showcase, like, what would, how would those characters really, like, what would they do, you know, if you drop them into modern day and you get a small slice of it. You know, Dracula's a, a pickup artist guy who, you know, has a lot of money. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think it does sort of... I think the idea of him just becoming, like, a lazy rich guy is kind of a cool idea because it does sort of track since, like, you know, when we see him in the book, he is just, like, living in a big castle and, like, talking about the Dracula family's legacy. So it is kind of funny to imagine him coming to modern-day America and instead of, like, killing a lot of... Or, I guess, England in this case. But um, coming to the modern day and instead of... uh, you know, vying for a lot of power and killing a lot of people, just immediately being like, I need to, you know, be friends with the Kardashians or whatever. (laughs) Um, I think that would be pretty fun. I do like that scene when he's talking to Renfield and like Renfield's like, you had all these like plans to take over Europe and now you're just like ordering fast food all the time. He's one of us. I mean, yeah, he's relatable. Yeah. Uh, I do, I do like those little bits where it's very, just very clear, like, yeah, Dracula, he's, he lives in the modern age now. He doesn't really care about ruling the world. Um, there's that one scene um, where he uh, breaks into that, that woman's house and he killed her husband. Um, and he's talking about how rich and luxurious, like, <laughs> her apartment is. And, you know, she's like, it's a dump. And he's like, you know, I, I knew one day, like, you know, luxury would evolve and become more, you know, grandoise or, and more elegant. I did not know it would become so common. And, like, that's a good, like, kind of, like, thematic thread to follow, which they kind of do, but it just kind of gets left on the table there. You know, the, the modern world is just dressing to tell this, you know, last part of the story. It's not really used to, I don't know, inform anything about it. Um, which I think, you know, even like the first episode, I think does that a little better. Um, you know, you have that convent of nuns where Dracula very menacingly, and we get to see, uh, class bang, I think his name is, uh, mm-hmm. very cool dad bod. And he's just <laughs> yeah, like, he, he does like, uh, let me actually, let me stop there. I abs- <laughs> if there's one thing I love about this show, I love him as Dracula. He is yes. the most fun thing about this show. He clearly is having a great time. He's eating that up. And like when he's not on screen, you know, characters should be asking where he is. Like, I don't yes. get, get him back here. Um, but like you get the, like the nuns and, you know, like a lot of like Agatha's character trying to be like a very progressive kind of like skeptical nun kind of thing going on. I think that's like an interesting, you know, idea they kind of follow through with. Um, I just, I feel like what I think about the show a lot is there's a lot of great ideas that get mashed together and then you only really get, you know, two or three good things out of it. Yeah, like that's what's so odd about this show is it almost feels like three pilots. Like he had three different Dracula pilot ideas and instead of making those shows, he just did a show of back-to-back pilots. That's a, that's a great great way to put it they each episode feels like the pilot for a different dracula show 
and I I would not the only one I would probably watch if I don't know how it would even go into a show is the second episode the very obvious Agatha Christie knockoff they do <laughs> which like I feel is easily the the best episode um, just because I feel I guess maybe having it so contained in one kind of location just helps mm-hmm. the characters breathe for a minute and we get to like learn more about them we get an idea of like you know Dracula's kind of mindset when it comes to humans more than the other episodes he he loves to play games you know he's he's basically I mean he's basically Professor Moriarty you know it's these guys they love Sherlock Holmes and <laughs> I, I like I like the mystery murder aspect of it um, it's very interesting um, it happens a little bit in the book but I feel like it's I mean I mean Stoker wasn't trying to really tell like I don't think of like a, a Mr. Murder Mystery, like with a Demeter, Demeter uh, boat thing. But in the show, the whole episode is just about Dracula basically tricking people into dying. And, like, that's cool. That's that's actually, like, yeah, that's, like, a really cool, like, vampire thing I think of. Like, yeah, set, the, set humans against each other and see what they do. Yeah, that one feels much more like an episode of television than the others. It's not so sprawling. It's very focused on utilizing the setting and the cast of characters. Definitely. And I mean, if this was like a full-blown show, like an American-style show, that would that episode would be, um, what do they call those episodes that are in one room? Uh, oh, a bottle episode. A bottle episode, right? Like, no one would care about it. It would just be like a filler thing. And yet, it's, <laughs> it's, it's easily the best episode out of these three. What did you think about how they sort of handled... Uh, the the modern stuff the version of jack's dr stewart that they got in and then the uh connecting it to the earlier stuff with the jonathan harker foundation yeah thank you for reminding (laughs) me that so that whole thing is just a complete mess um look at look at first focus on jack stewart right who is you know a doctor in the book and he takes care. I think he he's like the in charge of the the asylum that Renfield is staying at. In the show, he is just like this pathetic man who is in love with a woman who could not give two shits about him whatsoever. That whole relationship just feels so weak. Like I don't get any sense that he should or would like this person yeah that's something that was really uh what's really frustrating about it was that they clearly they don't like lucy obviously like the writers don't like lucy but there's still sort of this sense that jack's love for her is like pure and genuine even though you're kind of like but like why like he clearly like if he's choosing to love someone who is just like super beautiful and then has like no nothing going for her personality like that's kind of on him like you can't be like his love is so pure and sweet even though she's awful yeah it doesn't make any sense it's i mean i don't again don't care that they changed like who falls in love with her for the show you know is he uh in the book was he one of the people who was pursuing lucy i thought he was yeah him oh okay yeah quincy the cowboy um who is a wonderful just uh, Texas guy in the show, whatever. And uh, Holmwood, I think, is the other person's name. Um, she chooses Holmwood in the book. 
Yeah, so he is he is in love with her in the book, but I feel like it wasn't presented as like it, they like clearly their takeaway was him being like friend zoned. Uh, yeah, and it's so and cringy. In, yeah, I, I absolutely hate that whole dynamic because it, it's it's just accentuating the whole you know like what you said before like this this the creator's obvious like hate dislike or or hatred of Lucy where they have like this oh smart lonely you know nice guy just wants to like be with her and oh she only wants to date the American Texas guy like sorry um, and then it turns out oh. What a twist. He happens to work at the Jonathan Harker Institute, which is, I guess, a private military corporation dedicated to maybe killing Dracula or doing something with him. They tease it with him always getting phone calls from Jonathan Harker, so it sort of seems like it's going to be a, like, descendant who has the same name thing. And then he gets there, and you find out it's uh, it's the name of the foundation, which I guess does happen like if you work at taco bell you're put like taco bell as your contact in your phone it's like okay (laughs) yeah probably um and that uh, i feel i don't i don't want to keep complaining about the show but just a lot of the things the characters do when it comes to just being just straight up being just like stupid like he he accesses a Wi-Fi because the password <laughs> yeah. is Dracula. Are you out of your? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I I honestly do enjoy the show, but especially watching it the second time, I was like, this has such a severe case of dumb guy brain, and that's definitely the biggest example when they give they give him an iPad that they assume will just work. Like they don't even like put on safety settings so that he can't go online. They just think he'll never guess the password. And then the password is Dracula. Like, I, I guess I'm supposed to laugh at that. I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm not really laughing with the show. I'm <laughs> laughing at this very convenient, you know, little accident you made so that the story can move, you know, in this direction. Um, you know, Walking Dead has that same exact issue where the characters, you know, who should have common sense just completely drop the ball every five minutes and you know that show is on season 30 now or something <laughs> um i the modern stuff just doesn't feel set up well i think we don't really get a sense of him really even living in the modern world like he gets captured he learns a few new words and then fast forward he loves fast food you know quote unquote. <laughs> i just the harker institute doesn't get utilized at all I don't know if they were trying to do like a secret like society thing or if they legitimately yeah. just thought like oh, he comes back. Well, we're, you know, we're going to imply that someone powerful really wants Dracula's blood or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's super underdeveloped, um, which is weird because if you're going to have like this crazy foundation thing it's like this show should be like about that you know and every time it comes up i'm like what because they're like working with the military it seems like they're trying to like use dracula's blood to cure cancer or something i don't know why she thought that would work um and yeah there's like weird stuff like um she uh who's the modern day van helsing zoe is talking to dr seward and uh he's like 
yeah, you know, t- I took this job to make some money, but I didn't think Dracula would actually come back, which I think is kind of like fun for him. Like I would also love a like easy job that's like, we're just waiting for if Dracula comes back. So I felt like that made perfect sense for him. But then she was kind of also like, yeah, none of us really expected Dracula to come back. And it's like, what? You built like this huge military organization. He is he is 100 feet off the coast. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> You've been monitoring him. Ugh. Uh, again, it's uh, just 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 like I feel like wasted opportunity to to use, you know, the vehicle of Dracula to do interesting things. Because I think on another the one hand, and why I do enjoy parts of the show is it's pulpy, it's campy, and I'm yes. all I'm all about that. Like again, going back to class class bang, I I I love every second he's on the screen, and he plays like a really I don't know, just like a very like. Uh, malevolent, like just bad, like bad guy Dracula, and it's so it's it's cheesy. Like he call starts calling him that guy. Uh, call it Jonathan Johnny, um, yeah. and he's uh, some. I don't know. There's something about especially his portrayal of Dracula that is so appealing that I f- yeah. I feel like we we miss a lot when it comes to to vampire fiction, kind of in general. Um, just someone who really just enjoys being a vampire. Um, but the like the other characters, I don't know. They, I feel like you know the issue I think is I feel like he's the only one, the only actor in the show who got the memo that you know don't take it seriously because mm-hmm. everyone else is like trying to get like an Emmy here. Um, <laughs> it's it just feels way too like they're all serious and then he's just like uh, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, the Dracula parts are so great with just how like goofy and fun they are i love when um he has a baby in a sack (laughs) and he keeps like insisting he doesn't he's just like johnny there's no baby like he reminds me of do you watch like uh like curl show like too much tuna yeah like he literally reminds me of george st giglin just being like hey you don't know it's a prank show (laughs) (laughs) um and it's it, it it works really well for the like his Dracula, um, I, I like I again I mentioned before like I feel like he is a little too rude in the beginning, um, in the novel you know Dracula seems like he, you know he he's like being fake nice to Jonathan whereas in the show, he's very much like I don't care about you uh, you but you will stay here and teach me your ways, um, I. What was I trying to say? The um, the idea that you know Dracula doesn't have to be like this super tragic, serious kind of character is good because you know a lot of vampire fiction in the past like twenty years has just kind of been that. You know, we we had Twilight, um, Twilight Fever, you know, for a <laughs> while, and I feel like that maybe affected how people wanted to portray vampires. You know especially when it came to like TV and movies. Um, vampires had to be, you know, tragic. They had to be people who didn't want to be vampires, who didn't want this power, um, which we saw with like Anne Rice's stuff before that, right? Um, we just need, we need more vampires who just want to, like they enjoy, you know, their their career. You know, it's, yeah. we need to let them have fun. Yeah, Dracula, <laughs> Dracula and this is absolutely having the time of his life. And yeah, I think that's why even though, as I said, it has 
the biggest case of dumb guy brain. There's so much stuff where I'm like, what? Um, I think like part of why I do always enjoy the show is just that like you're just watching it. You're like, wow, Dracula's just doing Dracula. He's he's this is a hoot. Yeah, and I mean, just think about the possibilities we could have had. We could have had Dracula, co- Dracula police officer, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't believe no one's tried that yet. You know, Dracula comes back to the modern world, and the local police department's like, well, you're with us now, and he has to investigate <laughs> supernatural crimes, right? Dracula, MD, put him in a hospital. You know, Dracula, uh, what, are, what other shows are there? A lawyer show. Oh, my, who has done that? Let him, let him be Dracula and let him do, you know, those things. And, you know, I think with Klaus Bang especially, I think you'd have a very, very fun, you know, time with that. Um, here, you know, the motivation, there's nothing really, I don't feel like anything driving him, you know, mm-hmm beyond what like the audience knows right he wants to go to england and drink people's blood and take over the world but as a character he's having fun he's having a good time i don't know why he feels compelled to do any of these things um he's not really like a monster you know in the traditional sense bram stoker's book like paints him as like this otherworldly kind of like devil you understand like you know that's he's evil he does evil things this one's like yeah, he, I feel like he really just wants to, like, you know, have a good time and enjoy, you know, eternal life. So I don't know if it's like a problem or an issue. I just feel, I don't know. I never really get what he's driving at by the end. Mm. Yeah, it does sort of change a lot. And yeah, at first it feels like a lot of the show is going to be about how he's sort of psychosexually obsessed with Jonathan Harker, um, which I would have liked more of because like in the book i definitely think those first like 30 or page 30 pages or so or so i was like this should be the whole book like when <laughs> jonathan is in dracula's castle i was like this is the best book i've ever read <laughs> will they won't they um yes. yeah i and i'm always i'm surprised that there hasn't been more like um fiction about that i feel like that would have been i don't know at one point in the past hundred years like a big deal to do but i feel like no one's really done it uh, with Dracula's character, um, or with Jonathan's character, really, because you know we have we've had like um, uh, we have you ever read the have you ever heard of the book series um, Anno Dracula by Kim Newman? No. So it's like a pretty big series where the jumping off point is Dracula's real, and he goes to England, and Jonathan and Van Helsing they fail to kill him, so he basically you know turns the royal family into vampires and then vampires become like a commonality like in the world mm-hmm. and then the, there's other books that go over like different things throughout history uh, throughout history now the vampires are real it's interesting it's cool it takes the character of dracula and applies it in several different types of settings aesthetics and like i don't know i think it has something to say about you know what does vampire fiction mean to us we don't really get any sense of like sexuality or you know what does that mean for like romance or what have you with that but it's an interesting thread to follow Mm um i I, my point being is you know i feel like we haven't really gotten to like the real nitty-gritty of what dracula bram Stoker's dracula was about which is the fact that this is like this is about like sex this is about like people who have to like hide the fact that they you know, 
en- enjoy like showing ankles. You know, this is <laughs> about like men who have to contend with the fact that you know their women don't want like this stoic, like boring English gentleman. You know, it's that doesn't really get talked about. It doesn't really get showcased by fiction, I think. And that's I don't know a missed opportunity again for you know what Dracula is. Um, I do think this the show has one scene that is wildly sexy to me. I hope I hope I'm not alone in this. I know my roommate also likes it. Um, but when Dracula is like naked outside the convent and Agatha starts like tossing drops of blood and he's just like hooting and hollering like a wolf going after those bloods, I was like, this is insane like it was a genuine maybe this is why i give the show so much slack but it was just like i haven't seen a another scene that is like this and uh love it <laughs> yeah no agreed there are, there are some very yeah cool scenes like that i mean that whole scene with him at the convent is just great number one my man shirtless hell yeah <laughs> number two you have like just this this one nun just like antagonizing him every second, and he is eating it up. He is loving it. Like yeah. he this this is this is like getting this is getting him you know hot and bothered. Like he's this is what he lives for. And eventually, yeah, he gets to um, I mean not so nicely, uh, but he gets to kind of uh, you know meet those expectations that he was having. And the whole affair of it is just like. Just him wanting to like savor every moment, you know, with with um, what he's doing there, and I think it, yeah, kind of leads back into what the book was doing when it talked about like that sexual tension between the characters and uh, with Dracula. Really, um, I'm thinking of the book again, and I feel like Dracula, like the only characters he doesn't have like a tension with is probably like, you know, Helsing and maybe John Seward, uh, but like Jonathan, Mina, Lucy, Renfield to an extent, like this man, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He, he is into these people and they are very much into yeah. him. <laughs> Even though in the book he has like a long Fu Manchu mustache, which oh. I was like, oh, I'm absolutely not picturing that. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, that for the when I read that book, when I read the book again last week, and I saw it's like, oh, Dracula has a white mustache. I was like, hold on a minute, what do you mean he has a mustache? <laughs> Dracula's supposed to have a mustache? What are you talking about? And now I'm just seeing like, it just completely destroys like my whole idea of like what I imagined Dracula in my head. Like he's a mustache guy. That's I don't know. That kind of sucks. I don't want I don't want him to be a mustache guy. Yeah, unacceptable. <laughs> uh, but um, the other interesting thing I like about the book, which I think the show kind of gets into again with the third episode. Um, in the book, you see a, a lot of um, signs and um, I, I guess hints at like um, an approaching like modern world or even like a future world. Mm. There's that one, one scene that sticks out of like, I can't stop thinking about this because it just like, blows my mind that i just never like i just i almost glazed over it in the castle where jonathan's just like walking around the the book literally says he takes out a kodak and snaps a picture and i was like wait a second i didn't even know people could like just have own a camera 
in yeah, 1897. Wow. <laughs> like, that's crazy. But it's it's just, it's so nonchalant and so just, you would completely, like, never think twice about it. Um, but I, think, I thought it was just, like, a very cool addition to reference, like, the fact that, yes, you're in this creepy 15th century castle, and there's a guy just, like, taking pics, you know? <laughs> um, you look at things like the whole blood transfusion subplot, which is so overly convoluted for no reason it boggles my yeah. mind just like oh here's all these these four men are going to give you blood every day <laughs> where does it keep going i love the part where like one of them i think it's van helsing like bows out and is like you guys are so much hotter than me like you give the blood <laughs> <laughs> because they believe in that whole you know stupid blood purity thing and if we replace lucy's tarnished non-virgin blood with the the blood of strong white men, then she will she will overcome this evil that has befallen her. Um, and guess what? No, she does not. She straight up dies because you cut her head off and stuff garlic in her mouth. <laughs> it's wonderful stuff. I really, I, I really enjoy the book a lot more now. Just the fact that I can, I think maybe even because I watched the show, M's like, there's no way it's like this, and it's not. You know, I think when Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, it was at the time, you know, like um, a kind of like pulpy kind of like they call I think they called them like Penny Dreadfuls back then. You know, it was a book written to entice and excite. And, you know, once you read it, you kind of close it. But, you know, somehow it's stayed the test of time. It's, you know, it's not even like the first vampire story. And yet it's the one everyone goes back to. Um Blade Blade goes to back to Dracula in the third movie. He fights Dracula yes. with Ryan Reynolds, and it's like this is not good. But I don't know. It's there's there's so many interesting things you can do with the story of Dracula, with the story of vampires. And as much as I can enjoy, you know, those goofy, campy kind of moments in the BBC series, I just feel like there's I don't know. It's not doing anything that interesting to me that would make me want to come back for more um i hate to say this out loud but you know i feel like someone like charlie brooker who created uh black mirror i feel like you know notwithstanding his uh overabundance of black mirror stuff i feel like he would have had a better kind of i don't know eye on what to do with dracula a modern adaptation um i don't want to complain about Moffat and, and uh, Gadness, but like they just every time they write something, it just completely. I can't stand it. It just bothers me so much. Yeah, I did. I don't have the sort of like pre-existing dislike of Moffat that a lot of people I've talked to had, um, and so I guess I like went into this with a pretty open mind, and I did enjoy it. But I think like you're right about how like from this and like what I've seen of Sherlock, which I think is like. So boring. I think <laughs> Be- Benedict Cumberbatch to me is like the opposite of Clay Bang in terms of charisma and handsomeness. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, like, it just seems like sort of Stephen Moffat is just like making things different for no reason. Like, yes. just like, just it, it's not in service of anything. It's just to watch and be like, oh, like that story's different. <laughs> and that's what I really, I don't know. That's the thing with adaptations, I think. Uh, and I think for good reason. You know, when you create, when you want to like recreate something, you want to make it new, you want to do something different. But there has to, I mean, 
won't say there has to be, but there there should be some some resemblance to what you're trying to do. Um, like Sherlock, I think you know the first two seasons. I think capture that pretty well, and then it just goes into like complete. I don't know, Tumblr kind of fandom era, <laughs> like oh Moffat heard that you liked this, so he's gonna put this in there. Um, what's the word when you like? Answer to your audience or fandom. Fan service. Fan service. <laughs> Stupid. I can't even remember. Yeah, that's like too much fan servicey type stuff. Mm. Dracula. It's a little harder to do because there isn't really like a, I mean, not like a official or you know co- cohesive fandom for Dracula. There's vampires, mm. sure, but no one's like going to, you know, bang on Moffat's door and say, mm-hmm. why did you. Why did you let him call him Johnny instead of Jonathan? <laughs> you know, it's there just has to be some for me at least. There has to be something more to it than just like this is this is different now. I hope you like it. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, what did you think of how the show the show tries to sort of bring a coherent explanation to sort of the rules of Dracula early on? Someone's like oh, you can't go in the sun, you have to be invited in, like, there must be a reason. Which immediately, I was sort of like, what could it possibly be besides, like, various? <laughs> like, you're... And then I felt like the, uh, when they finally tried to bring it all together, I personally felt like it was pretty disappointing and, like, didn't scan that much. 100%. Because I feel like they, they try to offer hints in the first two episodes where um, I like I actually like that line... Um, in this, I think it's the second, second episode where, you know, he's like, I'm not afraid of the cross because of like God. It's because I've been sucking the blood of religious, you know, peasants for five centuries and I got all their superstitions in me. Mm. Like, that's interesting. That's cool. And then of course he ruins it by being like, I can't wait to eat some atheists. And it's just like, (laughs) it is not, it's sir. It is not 2005. We don't say stuff like that anymore. The, yeah, the thing where he, like, absorbs people's culture is so funny to me. Like, he starts off, like, ro- he's Romanian, obviously, and then he just, like, drinks enough of Jonathan to become British. For the rest, for the for the, for the next hundred years. Yeah. Uh, I I guess it was, I feel like it's just convenience for, for that to work that way. And that whole, whole, like, repeating mantra where he's like, blood is the lives where even the characters are like, that's not grammatically correct. What is he talking about? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's the lives of all the people that he's, you know, eaten and he gets, they all to live through him and his veins. Um, yeah. I feel like they try to either overpower him too much or they underpower him like way too much compared to the book. Cause in the book, I mean, he's basically like a superhero, you know, he's <laughs> can fly, he can, you know, run through walls and he can, karate martial art people basically and in the the show it's like he can't turn into a bat but he can kill a wolf and wear its skin convincingly enough to look like a wolf oh yeah he also he also can do that with people which (laughs) and that would have been cool to use more often that was only like that's i think that's just the first episode they never use it again yeah um i do like the I do like in the second episode that he is the one who creates like the mist that or the fog that surrounds the ship. Oh yeah, that was that was cool. Because I think in the book it's just like 
a spooky, you know, sea journey, but it's like, no, he's actively trying to create a hostile environment right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, I guess he, yeah, he can learn cool things by eating people. He's like, he's like Neo now. He downloads their memories. <laughs> uh, but like I said, Klaus Bang, like, I I wish I wish he could. Uh, I hope he gets to do another Dracula series, just because I really want to see just him on the screen again as Dracula. Um, that would that would be so cool. Yeah, he should he should just show up on other shows as Dracula. <laughs> Put him on Riverdale. Oh, that would be incredible. I would absolutely. Oh my god, I have to write that. That requires a letter campaign. Getting <laughs> Klaus Bang to play just like a aristocratic mysterious dark gentleman from eastern europe and he comes to riverdale i would eat that up yes (laughs) all right did you have anything else you wanted to cover should we get into doing some writing um yeah let's get into some writing all right so uh for the book i feel like Talking to you is really making me want to bump up the rating I had planned on giving it. My thing with the book is like, like I said, when Jonathan is in Dracula's castle, it's so exciting. It's so gripping. And then I felt like it just like, it's so long and it starts to get very repetitive when it sort of just starts being like, Lucy is sick. We got to figure out what's happening. There's such a long time where they're trying to figure out what Lucy's sick. And I'm like, it's because of Dracula. Like, I know it's the name of the book. It's because of Dracula. So there's, there's sort of an unfortunate thing with the book where, like, I love the characters so much. I love so much from it. But I do remember just, like, hundreds of pages of it being pretty boring. Yeah. The whole middle section, like we mentioned before, Lisa, Lucy's whole thing, that's like five chapters. It's like five chapters of them trying to figure out, what's wrong with Lucy? Oh, no. And it's, it's so, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, so I think I'm going to give it like a 2.8 out of five. I'm so glad I read it. I remember a lot of it fondly, but I'm just like, man, there's, I wish it was parsed down a little. <laughs> I, I get that. I'm at, actually my score isn't that far off from you, because um, for book wise, I would personally give it um, probably like a th- say like a three point two five kind of thing. I I you know I can I can appreciate the style a lot more now. I really do enjoy the characters, even though they more or less kind of all write letters the same exact way. Um, <laughs> And there's something just, um, I don't know, kind of like, kind of like devishly enticing about the fact that, you know, this very obviously like Victorian conservative man wrote a book about just how much he like wants to basically have sex with his friends. And <laughs> like, that's the, that's the, the key thing to take from Dracula. You know, people want to have yeah. sex and they don't get to, they're not allowed to because of society. Yeah. It's so cute. And I think people like underestimate how much, Bram Stoker was like shipping the like nice guys in that. Like whenever like Van Helsing hugs one of the other guys, it's just like so nice and so just like, oh, these these men just love each other. They they love each other. It's 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 very pure and nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's how I feel about the book at this point. Yeah, and then, uh, for the show, 
I mean, you're bringing up phenomenal points, and I would not argue with anyone who says that it's very stupid. Um, but I have a real fondness for it. Um, while I was watching it, like, my roommate sat down with me, and she, like, does not usually like that much TV, but we were both just, like, sucked in by how just handsome and cool Dracula is. <laughs> um I never regret rewatching it because of the fun parts. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna give it a three out of five with the footnote that it is really dumb. I, I feel similar to you, but I have to I have to kind of take a different score with it. So I do think the show is fun. I think it tries a little too hard to be kind of pulpy and campy, and it doesn't exactly succeed most of the time for me. Um, I will say, I don't think you would ever not find it entertaining to watch, whether you find it good or bad. I certainly don't. I think it is entertaining all the way through. Just sometimes I'm not really laughing with the show. I'm laughing at it. Um, So I'd probably give it a two out of five. That's fair. Um, All right. So I like to end on a recommendation. Um, Since I rated the show higher than the book, I'm going to recommend a book. Uh, I'm going to recommend The Keep by Paul F. Wilson, which is a really great horror novel I read recently um, where these uh, Nazis in World War II are stationed in a castle in Romania. And it does some really fun things with vampire lore uh, much more successfully than the Dracula TV show does. Uh, So I I highly recommend that. It's a really exciting vampire book. Um, and then Dave, do you want to recommend a, uh, a TV show for fans of the Dracula book? Uh, for like vampire wise? Uh, it can be anything that you think fans of the book Dracula would enjoy for any reason. <clears throat> you know, a show I, I liked, um, kind of quite a lot recently that I, I think has similar kind of vibes or actually, yeah, kind of similar campy pulpy vibes. And I think it actually does the kind of comedy horror bit a little better. Um, brand new cherry flavor on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, no, I haven't seen it yet. It's pretty interesting. Um, woman comes to LA to sell a movie script, and she gets involved with you know like magic and demons, and I think there might be vampires in the show actually. Um, it's very, very just like a fun, very, but um, very just. Um, a show that goes into a lot of different places um, and just lets you really sit with a lot of the blood and gore and um, also is pretty funny. So I definitely recommend that. Nice. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, all right. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I do co-host a podcast with my friend Steve. Uh, we do In the Mix, which is a podcast about uh, basically making uh, mix CDs but in playlist form. Uh, him and I sometimes we have a guest uh, Lenny you've been a, a guest a number of times actually it's true and we talk about talk about tunes you know we get we get down with it you know and um, still going with that we have new episodes currently releasing and I think that's really it's about about it for my my output of uh, cool cool things I believe yes. definitely recommend in the mix to everybody um, and you can go ahead and follow this show on Twitter at Chapter Surfing uh, for more. And also uh, follow me at Lenny Burnham. Well, thank you for being here, Dave. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for having me, Lenny. Absolutely. Should I stop recording now?
Do you want to learn falsehoods? Do you want to learn the not truths? Do you want to go to hell? Join Eric McAdams, Alea Plotney, and Liam Sr. as they go to hell. We Are Experts is a podcast on the Major Cast Network. Each episode, we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content. And then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end. But not too much. Just a little. Tune into We Are Experts. Wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. Thanks for listening to the Major Cast Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.